Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie and with me as always is... Hey guys, what's going on? It is Jason. Yeah, all I have to say is I feel like last week's episode was kind of crap. So I want to apologize for that. <laughs> I I think we went in, I, w- I went in at least thinking, oh, this topic is going to be great. And then we started talking about it and I thought, oh, this isn't as great as I thought it was. I mean, they can't all be winners, but... After the editing, I realized it wasn't as bad as we thought. So I think we'll be okay here. Okay. Again, pretty okay. We'll be all right. Yeah. I mean, it's not like I listen to the podcast either. So <laughs> That's true. So so for all you know, it's like the greatest episode we've ever done. No, because I always feel like it's the worst because I don't hear it after editing. But as far as you know, it could be the greatest one. That's Because you don't true. listen to it. It could be. Yeah. It could be. Every episode is the greatest one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm trying to get better, guys. I really am. I'm trying to get better. So hopefully this episode is much better. We'll find out. <laughs> we will. <laughs> Although, according to me, it's the best episode ever. That's right. So it doesn't matter. Every episode, best episode ever. <laughs> I'm still having some allergy issues. Although, interestingly enough, we have another child that's quarantined, which I thought we were done with that. But our oldest daughter's class got quarantined as a class. So she is at home this week. Um which certainly has made things interesting. <laughs> she doesn't care. But we're back to Google Meets. Oh my gosh. I never want to do another Google Meet ever. <laughs> I think I think that's a lot of people's feelings after all this. Oh my gosh. I thought we were done, but now we're now we're doing Google Meets. I, yeah, it's all, I mean, I I didn't do it with her today, but the worksheets seem to be going all right. So that's, you know, a little less painful than it was before. That's true. Let me tell you the Google Meets still is bad. Still is bad. I mean, sometimes you just got to turn up the volume all the way. I mean, <laughs> no, that's what you got to do. That is that is what you got to do sometimes. However, our daughter turns it up all the time. Always, all the time. Yeah. Yeah, it's constant vigilance. If like if you have to get up and, you know, go get something, as soon as you get up from the table, she starts messing with the volume, unmutes your microphone, and it's just madness. It's crazy. Or the screen brightness or, yeah. you know, something else. <laughs> or she's making yeah. faces at herself in the video. Ah, the joys of online schooling again. Yep. Which I think is funny because, like, that's my job. <laughs> like, I teach online school right now. Yeah, that's just true. That's true. But it sucks. Actually, I think on both accounts. So really, I guess it's nothing new. I don't I don't like teaching online anymore. I, I kind of miss that in the classroom interaction with my students. So I'm hoping we're getting back to that soon. Honestly, this is going to sound terrible. The only people I really ever want to see live in the house with me. I don't think you want to see us all that often either. Well, I mean, the, the kids, you know, that's like 50% of the time. But, you know, if I... <laughs> Everybody in my house, that's all the only people I want to interact with. And I want to get out. I want to get out. Oh, my goodness. I love people. I miss people so much. Check on your extrovert friends. We're not okay. And just when I thought things were getting better, we're back to not okay. I just, I, I, but I have you guys. I have you guys, my internet friends, the internet riveted. So I'm trying to hang on to that. Yeah, it's all you can do. It's all you can do. Right, so let's talk about news and move on from that sad, depressing idea of being stuck in my house with just the people that are here <laughs> and talk about what's on Kickstarter. So the first one I want to talk about is actually at first I'm like, oh, here comes another one. But it looks like a really cool game. And this game is called Scrumpy Card Cider. 
So instead of like hard cider, it's card cider. Haha, <laughs> pun, plan words. Um, but the idea is that you are you, you own your own cider making company and you're in a race to sell the most cider before your competitors. But you do it through deck building. But it's not like regular deck building where you're trying to like buy better and better cards from market. I mean, you are getting cards from market, but um, you you have like slacker cards and cards that aren't as good, but your cards have multiple uses, which I think is wicked cool. So your workers have like a main action. There's also a secondary action that they can do. And so even the lamos that are real lazy they have a secondary action, but you can also use those cards as resources. So the apples you need, um, the jugs that you need to hold the cider in, the barrels, you know, those are all um, found on the back then of these cards. So you're you have to like use them really carefully so you want kind of like some of the lamer action cards to be converted into resources but once they are they're like out of your deck for a while um because you're going to need apples to press into cider and then you're going to need eventually to make you know put them in barrels and and then you're going to sell them so like these cards are then being set aside in like your orchard as potential apples or they're being set aside as like um, jugs or barrels of cider. I guess bottles is the word they use, either empty or full. And then at some point you have to make sure you can get them sold. So then you get them back into your deck. So it's like a really interesting kind of ebb and flow of what's happening in your hand. You've got your own little like player board. You've got your little orchard with little apple trees. Um and you're like fulfilling these goals and selling your cider. So you're kind of watching what the other people are doing. You want some skilled workers, but you also want like basic workers because you need some cards that can be used as like these different resources um, in your board. It's, it seems really cool. Um, so if you like deck building, if you like multi-use cards, which is like totally my jam, check this out. There's only two days left on the campaign on Kickstarter um, once this episode airs. And it's 47 bucks for, or like 45 bucks or so for the base game, which I realize seems like a lot, but you've got um, player boards, you've got these extra sideboards, you've got cards, there's a die, you've got um, little trees, and you've got your cards. So that is a scrumpy card cider. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. I do like that. So it sounds like you're using both sides of the cards. Yes. That's inter- That's interesting. That's like... Uh... I don't know. I can't think of another game other than Point Salad that where you're doing that. But that's really interesting. Right. And in a deck building kind of way. So, I mean, you're almost manipulating your deck more than building it, um, which I think yeah. is, is kind of cool. That is cool. I agree. Yeah. So in a different style of game, the next game I want to talk about, and I'm like wicked excited about this game. It's Hippocrates. So this is by Game Brewer, um, who's done like, you know, Paris and Arc Rate the Card Game and... But Gugong. Gugong, yeah. Um, Hentes, Chimera Station, you know, all those kind of things. So this game, Hippocrates, you are um, a student, a successor to the, the great Greek um, Dr. Hippocrates. And so in this game, you are getting patients, 
you are recruiting doctors to work with you. You um, also are, are getting resources like medicines. Um, you need money to pay the doctors salary that work for you. You also are maintaining your reputation. So there's these bonuses like and it's only a four round game. So this is like a really intense Euro style game um, where you're doing some drafting and you're doing some contract fulfillment. Um, so this is by designer Elaine Orban, who um, was part of the group that did Trois, um, Black Angel, Tournay. And then the artwork, not also to you know shake a stick at, is by the, the woman, uh, Laura Bevan, who did Between Two Castles, um, Polynesia. So it's like a really pretty looking game. It's also like this really tight race. There's some dice being used. Um, like you could take the first patient that shows up on the steps of the, I don't know. I'm going to, I think the temple. Um, and you could work, you know, help them with their problem, but each patient gives you different things and requires, um, like different medicines and healing techniques. So sometimes you don't want that first one, but if you bypass the first person and go to someone later on, that ruins your reputation because people get ticked off if you don't help the first person in line. Um, but if you have a lower reputation, it's cheaper to pay. Um, like if you have a lower reputation, you can sometimes get more money. You can pick like the different jobs that will give you more money, which you need money to recruit doctors, but you're going to have to pay higher salaries because people don't necessarily want to work with a shady busta, but they will work for money. So if your reputation is high, you can go first and picking some of like your sources and stuff, your patients, um, and you don't have to pay as much for people to work with you, but you're also like kind of negotiating saying, okay, I'm going to take this patient who's not going to give me very much money. They're not going to give me the bonuses I need, which in such a, you know, short time period, four rounds to a game, you're trying to make the most that you can. Um, it looks so awesome. Um, it looks really, really fun. I love the theme on this. I like the artwork. Um, so there's six days left. The one hitches to get the game, they only have a deluxe edition, which looks really cool because it's got like these little medicine bottles and all this cool crap. It's $84. Um, but oh my goodness, that looks like such a really, really good game. A really good game. So that's Hippocrates. If you like Euros, if you like medicine, um, this looks, if you like that really tight, just choices, decision making. Um, this one looks so good. So six days left, $84. Hippocrates. You're right. This one does look good. And we'll talk about that price thing a little bit later. There's a little teaser. Um, yeah. I, the more I play the games where you only have like four or six rounds, the less I'm liking that. Like, I think I'm liking more where I just go until, you know, you hit the end game condition, which is, you know, Ugh. so many people somewhere. Um, someone gets to a certain amount of points or something. I don't, I'm, I just don't like it to know that I only have four rounds and it just f puts unnecessary stress on me. Well, there's, I don't, I don't love that. The four rounds are divided into five phases. So I don't know if that helps. So, like in the first phase, you actually have three turns in the welcome phase. So, uh, I see. Okay. I see. I see. So there's four rounds, four rounds of five phases, and each phase has like a different number of kind of turns and things that you can do. I mean, it does look cool. I'll give you that. 
It's definitely a game I would play. I'm not saying anything about that, but yeah. It's not a game you would pay for because you're cheap. That is correct. That is correct. So the last game I want to talk about is like so far out of my norm that I'm sure you're all going to be surprised I'm talking about it. This game is not only post-apocalyptic, which I hate, um, it also is a solo game, which I never play because one of the reasons I play games is to be with other people. But this game is called Rad Zone, and Rad Zone is actually a solo roll and write, which is intriguing to me. And I know we have a lot of people that um, solo game here. So I think this is really cool. So in Rad Zone, you are like the leader of this like post-apocalyptic group. So we're thinking Mad Max. We're thinking um, uh, Walking Dead. Only there's not zombies in it, but there's people that are like, they call rad heads or like bandits. So they like are out there. So in post-apocalyptic, there's obviously some kind of nuclear problem. So the radiation has gotten to these people. So they're crazy. So, Sounds a lot like Mad Max. Yes, it does. It does. <laughs> exactly. So you're you have um you pick a character for each kind of episode they call them, and there's like ten episodes that you can play in a campaign. Um, and you're gonna send one person out to go kind of on um like a a supply run. Essentially, is what you're doing. So you're not you're generating a character. So there's like a little RPG stuff about that. They have a name. You get them a trait. Um, you get like this episode sheet where you've got some equipment and stuff. You're going to go out on your journey. You're going to avoid the bandits. You're going to salvage as much as you can, exploring locations, um, and then getting back home before like your radiation levels get too high because that's the problem. You really want to stay in your little bunker um, so you, you don't get crazy with the radiation like those other people. And because these bandits are like – Radheads, you're not out there like fighting them because they're really hard to kill and they're crazy. You're really going to have to like try to avoid them as much as possible. So it kind of is a different spin. You're trying to outwit them. You're trying to avoid them. You want to limit your exposure to them anyway because they're going to give you more radiation. Um, so you're going out, you're getting supplies. You also want to try and like increase the numbers of your bunker crew. So that's one win condition. You can get 40, if you get 40 people in your bunker, you can win. Um, if you lose 10 people on your missions, then you fail. Um, or if you survive through these 10 episodes. Um, so that just means that your bunker made it through this really difficult time. And you could start a new campaign um, with a whole new um, group of characters. Or you can just continue with your initial group. So um, there's a print and play version. And they also, they know that there are people like me, who like printed out versions, there's there's those two options. Um, and the other thing, so you need something to write with a pencil, an eraser, and um, colored pens or pencils, red, yellow, and green. And it also helps if you have, you need some D6. So a regular, regular dice, about three of them, preferably in different colors. And that's it. So it's like, if you really like that post-apocalyptic kind of thing, you like solo gaming, or you're looking to kind of do something that's like a, a, an ease into solo gaming because you're not able to play with other people right now, um, Rad Zone sounds like a cool thing if you like that theme. So there's three days left on that Kickstarter um, when this episode airs. If you just want the print and play, which that way you can keep printing these sheets. Um, so there's character sheets, there's episode sheets, um, there's locations, um, there's maps through like the wasteland. So lots of cool stuff as well as the instructions. It's eight bucks. And then you can always make more copies. 
or um, it's $22 if you want to have like a physical in hand version. You can make copies of the stuff you need. I think you also maybe have access to the digital file as well if you pay that $22, but they're going to send you um, a printed. I, I kind of would just like to have a printed version. Yes, you get the digital files as well. Um, so that is Rad Zone. I actually am kind of interested in this. I've been playing some more solo games because of review copies. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm just. It's kind of nice because when I'm sitting there waiting on email to come through for work, I can just bust out a solo game on my desk table and, you know, still pay attention to work a little bit. So it's yeah, it's kind of cool. I like it. I don't know if this, I don't, I don't know. It, in some ways, it reminds me a little bit of Wasteland Delivery Express um, in some ways. But it's a roll and write. But it's a, right? a roll and write. Yeah. So that's how yeah, things that's, happen. That's interesting. Yeah. And there's no like direct combat. So there is the kind of that that you might like. I don't know. I know. I'm. I might back that print and play version. Even though our printer probably, sucks. Probably not. Yeah, probably not. But <laughs> All right. So those are the Kickstarters I have for this week. All right. Let's get into some games. So we did play some games. We did. We did. We did. We played a really, really awesome game that we're not going to talk about yet, but it is in this list. Um, oh. And by awesome, I mean one that we actually paid for and bought with our own money. <laughs> we do that sometimes yeah we do that we played a friend's copy we'll we'll get to it we'll just we'll just get to it um so the the first game we're the first game we're going to talk about is a game that we got for review from aeg and it is called point salad so this is uh, a little card game it's a drafting and set collection kind of game that has cards like katie was talking about earlier that you use both sides so on one side of the card, there's going to be a different vegetable for your salad. So tomato, onion, lettuce, all that kind of thing. And the other side of the card is going to have a scoring condition where you're going to score points for the ingredients of your salad. So you're trying to decide, do I want to take a card for the scoring points or do I want to take um, vegetables to put in the table in front of me so I can score points from cards that are previously taken? But if you don't take the scoring card, if someone takes a vegetable from that column, the scoring card's going to come down and turn to a vegetable, and you've lost that opportunity. So while it's a simple game, there's still some decent amount of thinking to go on of what you want to take, when you want to take it, and where you want to take it from, because cards shift down to refill. So this is a super light game. It's really fun and plays really fast, and it shouldn't be as fun as it is, I don't think, but I enjoyed it. So what do you think about Point Salad? I really like it. I love multi-use card games. Um, I also love games where you're in some ways trying to build, not necessarily an engine, but you're trying to chain bonuses. And for me, I mean, that's how I played this game. Maybe that is how Jason played this game, which is why he lost. No, I, I didn't do very well. <laughs> I did not do well. So, um, but it is frustrating when you're like, oh man, I, that gold card is so good. I kind of want that. But you're like, oh, these these vegetables like perfectly suit the ones I already have, the gold cards I already have. So I don't want them to get taken. Um, but then these then that means I'm gonna lose this gold card. Like those choices are kind of agonizing. Um, we only played it at two, so I would love to play it more and see how it plays. Um, also, I really hope that soon they come out with an expansion to make this a little bit heavier, because while it, I I like the light simplicity of it, I could see myself not wanting to play it very much because it, it is so simple and i don't know if that's because we played it at two players or because i'm just so amazing at the game <laughs> i don't know but i, yeah, I just I, I want more 
I think that's the point of it, kind of, is it's like an entry-level game to get anybody into it, so you can maybe entice them into bigger, deeper games. Um, and we did do a video for this. Both Katie and myself were on the video. Look at that. I did a video, guys. It, that's right. It's on our YouTube channel. You can see both of our smiling faces, and we talk about this game. So if you're interested a little bit more about what we think, deeper than this you can go check that out yeah a lot of the members of the riveted have talked about this game before and i think it is fun and a nice light easy game to introduce to um new gamers or non-gamers for sure so thanks guys for your recommendations yep yep agreed all right so now is the game that i was teasing up at the top here so this is a game that our friend brought over our new hotness buddy we shall call him chris that may or may not be his actual name (laughs) and um the game is the, I believe it's the newest game from Stefan Feld, and it is called Bonfire. So this is a game where you're these. I'm gonna try to. I'm gonna try to say the theme. So everybody, bear with me. Oh my gosh, um, I'm scared. You're these little Yoda-looking creatures. I don't know, gnomes or something, and you're worshiping these bonfires. The bonfires get put out. It's your mission to try to turn the bonfires back on, so you can send your um, touchdown Jesus guy to worship at the light of the bonfire. I know that's not necessarily the theme, but that's the gist. It's something about bonfires and people moving around. And what you're doing in this is you are moving boats around to get to these islands to collect different types of scoring tiles where you need certain types of things on your player board or certain types of action tiles on your board to score these bonfires. That's how you flip them over. You're trying to draft portals, which will get your acolyte or whatever they're called from walking around the bonfire to the bonfire to score some additional points you're trying to get cards that are going to give you special abilities and in-game points you're trying to draft different tiles action tiles so you can have different types of actions to spend on your turn um i think there's something else you're trying to draft more acolytes with your boat so you have different people to walk around so you can score more points you get a lot of points, but you don't get a lot of points till the end. So before I say what I think about it, what did you think about Bonfire? Well, it should be no surprise what we think about it because we actually bought it. But what did you think about Bonfire? Um, I liked it. The theme is super weird. Like it, It's really weird. It's really weird. Um, I, I'm not getting the cohesion of that. Like I don't feel like the theme advances the gameplay, which is a little disappointing. But um, it does provide for uh, a neat look to the game. I think the interesting thing about this is how you choose actions, how actions are available to you where you have like these little tiles that you're laying out on a board um, and then you get action tokens from those and if you make matches and you cover up certain things you can get extra bonuses which I think is a really neat extra part of the game. Um, After having played it once it's definitely one of those games where I'm like ooh I want to try it again and do something different um so i'm a little concerned that there's like one particular path to victory um i I don't necessarily agree i don't think so okay because i did one thing that i I didn't do one thing that everybody else did and i lost real bad no you had all your bonfires you sure you didn't win i did not win i lost because i didn't have any of the little worshiping guys the the worshiper guys any of the bonfires because i didn't realize that would be a big deal and I didn't get all of my my like bonfire connecty things portals portals, portals that's what they're yeah. called. I didn't get all those because that just didn't work out. So I don't know. It's definitely one where I think there's lots of things to kind of figure out. And I think for me, I'm like, ooh, I want multiple plays of this to see if I can figure it out better. Um, so I, yeah, I definitely think it's an interesting game. Lots of different choices. I like. I hope that the cases you can pursue different paths to victory. I th- I think that's true. Um, 
but it is all about balance, which I, I, th- I think is maybe part of the feldness of it in some ways. Yeah. yeah. It, so th- this feld actually feels like an older feld where everything is kind of interwoven together. Like all the actions make sense with each other. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really go with the theme, but each action kind of plays off of another action, kind of like Trajan or Aquasphere or something like that. It reminded me of so, Merlin, which is my favorite yeah. feld in some oh, ways. Merlin, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Because it has the Rondell thing too, which mm-hmm. is a big Mer- a big Merlin thing. Uh, so yeah, this is a really good game. Um, my buddy, well, Chris, he was at a game store. He's like, hey, they got a copy of Bonfire. I was like, you got to snag that up. So we, we bought a game, people. All right. So step <laughs> off. Step off. Get to tell that one we guy on the internet. Games. Yes, we buy some games. Uh, all right. So that was Bonfire. The last one we're going to talk about is a game we've talked about before, but Chris. Or, or so he is named, it brought this over, and it is one of the expansions for Marvel United, and we played the Tales of Asgard box, and the villain that we played was Hela, and we all grabbed a different hero from the big hero box that came in the the, the big box from Simon. I was Ghost Rider. You were Scarlet Witch? Yes. Is that correct? Yes. Chris was... What was he... Uh, he was Korg, or whether was is that his name? Korg? Yeah, yes. <laughs> and Amy was She Hulk. She Hulk, yeah. So we had four new characters we never played with against Hella, and man, it was tough. We also had the shiny, uh, the cool mat that was on the table that you can lay out, and it has the the board for you. Uh, not necessary, but it looked cool. So Hella was really hard. We were getting our butts handed to us for a while. So she wins if. Everybody is KO'd at the same time, which we got down to three of the four of us being KO'd at one point, which was pretty rough. It was rough. And she, like, moves around to wherever people had the most cards, and then all the thugs there, if there's thugs there, you get hit a lot of times. Someone gets KO'd, then she hits everybody again. It just becomes a mess. So um, I was complaining about Marvel United a little bit because I thought it was a little too easy. These other expansions, well, at least Hella, definitely amped that up. So what did you think about um, Hella when we played it? Um... Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> I I do like, I mean, I like the game in general. Um, and I, I like, for me, I like the idea of having new types of villains that change kind of the gameplay. So I think it's, it's fresh. And not only can you then change out the villains, you can also change out your characters, which gives you other opportunities for replay- playability. Um, I'm completely kind of unrelated to the gameplay is I'm disappointed they are coming like on Kickstarter now is the Marvel United the X-Men and I was like oh cool so we could buy that and then just you know have X-Men characters and X-Men villains to add to our base game no it's like a whole it's like the game all over again like what the heck man um that's a little irritating to me but I I like the idea of being able to add on these different groups to kind of up that replayability and then i get to play with like my favorite little chibi people yeah and i think my only issue with the game is i feel like the heroes i don't feel like they differentiate themselves enough because at the end of the day they still only have what four icons at the bottom so they're each only going to have some different special powers but i think where the game shines is all the bad guys feel completely different like hella feels way different than the three that are in the base box it's just they all feel crazy different and just play make the game feel like it's a different game every time so that's kind of cool yeah i i understand what you're saying about the characters i i think there could be more specialized cards but 
it's also then harder to integrate them together. Right, and harder to teach as well. And it's supposed to be like an entry game. So I, I kind of get that. But it would just be nice if maybe some characters had like a fifth a fifth icon that shows up mm. that does something different. Or, you know, something just a little bit different to make it more enticing to want to play them. I just picked Ghost Rider because Nicolas Cage is awesome. That's the only reason I picked Ghost Rider. Well, I think Scarlet Witch was actually really interesting because she had some really powerful cards. But she had no icons on those cards. Yeah, that's true. That is cool. That's interesting. So I, I think there are some, there just aren't as many of that, the big difference. Yeah, yeah. Either way, the game is awesome. I like it quite a bit for a co-op. It's fun. You, there's no like quarterbacking. You're kind of, you have to work together a little bit so you can kind of plan out a couple turns ahead. It's it's really good. So Marvel United, one of the villains from Tales of Asgard, and we're hoping, I'm hoping to get into the Infinity Gauntlet here before long because that's going to be awesome. So that was the games we played. So let's move on to the topic for this week. Surprisingly, um, people seem to like topics where, by we, I mean me, gets angry about stuff, or like, they seem to be kind of negative. And and I don't want it to be like that, but there also are some things that annoy me. And so this episode, we're going to talk about kind of our unpopular opinions. So trends that we're seeing in the board game industry, um, the way board gamers maybe act, uh, just some general, I, I would say they're unpopular opinions. You you might agree or disagree. I'm sure this is going to spark all kinds of controversy. So please don't hate us. Know that we are loving people and accepting people. But every once in a while, we got beef. About stuff with board games. <laughs> I'm accepting unless you like any of these things that I'm going to talk about. Well, I like some of the things you're going to talk about. I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> you do. You do. So start us off. What is your first unpopular opinion that you want to rant about? All right. So this should come as no surprise to anybody. And we kind of you kind of hit on it earlier in the news. And that is I can't stand games where you only can get a deluxe version and you can't get like an economy version of a game. So for example, if I wanted to get a Vital Lacerda game and I wanted to get, let's say, I'm just off the top of my head, On Mars. I had to spend $120 to buy On Mars because it's only a super deluxe version from Eagle Griffin. What if I don't want all that stuff? What if I just want some cubes and some cardboard chits? Why can't I spend $50 to get the same game but with a lesser component so I can at least play it and have fun with it. So that's something that really irritates me. That's an opinion that other people will probably love the expensive deluxe editions because they have lots of money to burn. But I just I can't do it. I can't I can't justify spending that much money on a board game that one is going to be really hard to teach and play, and two, it's just a game, and I don't want to spend that much money on it. So my first unpopular opinion. Expensive deluxe editions with no standard edition option. I mean, in some ways, I agree with you because there's a whole bunch of games I'll never get to play because you refuse to shell out the money for them because they're deluxe editions. Um, on the other hand, I happen to like the the components and the, the upgraded bits that come in deluxe editions because I'm bougie and I also want that in my board games. Um, so I'm not, I'm not saying I don't think those games look great. Like On Mars looks amazing. I just... It's not necessary to play for one. And two, I don't want to pay for it. I know, but I want it. Just like Hippocrates. I want it. And you could have it if they had a standard edition. But I want like the little vials of medicine and the cool stuff. 
What if it was just a cardboard chit that had a little picture of the of the cool stuff on it? Wouldn't that be cool? No, it wouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it would. It would be very cool. Okay. Mine are not going to have anything to do with money because I obviously am a spendthrift. Um, my first unpopular opinion, and this is probably going to feel really pointed, and I'm sorry. And if you get butt hurt, I'm sorry. I don't care, but I'm sorry. Um, I get irritated by gimmicky reviews. And part of this is because I'm a content creator. But when people are like, oh, um, you know, I'm going to get my wife to play guitar because she has a she's pretty and she has a, a cute voice and we're going to use that to make people watch our videos or I'm going to make a video in only 60 seconds because um, people have short attention spans and that's going to be my thing or um, I'm going to oh my gosh dress up in costume and make recipes that suit <sighs> come on my issue is a lot of those gimmicky reviews are then terrible reviews. I'm sorry, but in 60 seconds, you can't tell me enough about a game for me to base my purchasing power on. And I realize I talk about Kickstarter news. I fully anticipate that you will do extra research before you decide to back a game instead of based on my quick one minute discussion of it. Now, yes. I realize that there is one specific person who makes reviews like this, but there are other reviews that do gimmicky things. She just happens to be one that comes to mind because I see comments and people are like, oh, these are the best game reviews. Oh, thank you so much. I'm totally going to buy this game. You barely saw the components for five seconds. You can't possibly understand the rules unless it's a simple roll and write or a card game. There is no way that from that 60 seconds, you can tell if you should buy the game or not. Now, another issue with gimmicky reviews, and it's not the same as a gimmick, are paid reviews. Now, I appreciate when people say this is a paid review. So take what I'm saying with a grain of salt. Other people who get paid for reviews, they don't tell you that they're paid. And I think that's undermining the integrity of content creators. But again, you know, I'm not a shill. I don't get paid for reviews. Jason and I do not get paid for reviews. Now you could say that getting a, a free game is a pay is is getting paid. Okay. But generally people are not coming to our house and saying, you didn't like my game, I'm taking it back. Some of them I wish they would come and take them back, to be honest. I mean <laughs> That's I was gonna say that. That's true. <laughs> that's a problem. I got some, I, I got some ready to go. Well, we're talking about unpopular opinions. I'm gonna lay it all out. <laughs> So I get irritated that people are even willing to take money for reviews. Now, if it's your job and you're working for a specific company, I get that. You're their marketing person. Okay. But don't have your own separate content channel and act like you're independent when you're not. Because I don't care who you are. If someone's giving you money, you are not going to be that honest in your review. You're not. You're just not. And even we don't get paid for we don't get paid money. And Jason's actually way nicer interviews than I would be about games because he doesn't want to make anybody upset. I would say this game sucks. That's why another reason why I don't do most of the reviews, because no one else will send us their games. And that's kind of the vicious cycle you get in as a content creator is you have to have gimmicky reviews to get people to watch them and or you want to keep that engine going where people will send you games so you 
are not realistic in your reviews and then people are out there buying games that are terrible that shouldn't be keep being made that have no business being made in the first place because people are just feeding into the machine with their like untruth bias reviews and that is my that is just my first unpopular opinion yeah across all 166 episodes this is the best thing we've ever talked about your specific thing about sixty second reviews is the best thing we've ever talked about. It's not just and I those. Love it so much. It's not just those. I don't. I don't want to feel like I'm targeting her because I'll target. No, not she's just, stop. No. She seems like a lovely person, uh, really. And I, I you yeah, know what? I, I if we no met, we would her. be friends. Yeah, I have no issue with her. It's the format. The sixty second format is awful. It makes me hate life. It's not even the format. I, I'm okay with that as long as that's an introduction to maybe longer reviews. Um, what I don't get is where people are like, oh my gosh, this is the best. This is the only way I know how to, how to, how, what games to buy. You're a freaking liar. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't disagree. I'm just going to say amen. We're going to, we're going to lose so many, so many listeners <laughs> after this. I'm sorry, guys. I'm a terrible person. You, it's go, fine. Go on. Talk about your next thing. Yeah. So I probably am too nice in reviews, but I think every game has something that, you know, somebody may enjoy. So I, I do try to be probably nicer than I should be, but. I'm not going to change because that's just what I do. Um, so the next thing I want to talk about, we're going to go back to the the price point here because that's my big beef. If, if you've heard the <laughs> last 166 episodes, you know that I don't like to spend money on pretty much anything. anything. So this next thing is really bothers me. And this is games with minis causing the games to be more expensive than they should be. So now let me give some examples here. One, A couple games that we own that come to mind would be um what's that game called dogs victorian masterminds yes victorian masterminds and dogs of war so let me explain why in victorian masterminds all the plastic pieces are on this board for is you pick them up and you sit them in front of you for points that could be cardboard chits those could be cubes i can pick up a cube the same way i could pick unnecessary plastic objects up off the board and put them in front of me to tell me that i scored two points or put a token down that says plus two i'll take the plus two who cares what the building looks like dogs of war also has ridiculous minis that you use as workers. I love the I love these games. I'm not knocking on the games. Also has ridiculous minis you use as workers that you put on the board that you can't even see over some of the minis because they're so big. You could have just made them different colored meeples. We could have had different powers with the different colored meeples. Game would have played exactly the same. And I could have saved. Well, I got mine used. But if I would have bought it new, I could have saved 20 bucks. Because there's not unnecessary stupid pieces of plastic in the game. I hate that. I despise it with the core of my being. I hate it. Just make games so everybody can afford them and play them and have fun. And you don't automatically cut out a bunch of people who don't want to spend $50 on some plastic toys. So my second one, games with minis causing games to be more expensive than they should be. Um, I like plastic toys. So... <laughs> I realize it's going to make the game more expensive because you have to pay for the plastic, but the plastic is real fun. What? What's fun about it? It just sits there. I can do the same thing with a meeple or a cube. I play with it. I'm like, you can play with a cube. No, not the same. You can roll the cube. You can put the cube on each side. You can stack the cubes up. You can't stack minis up. They're going to fall off of each other. So the cube greater than mini. But I can make my little me- meeples like they're going into the little buildings and stuff. It's real fun. No, no, you're wrong whatever okay so my next one relates to this you tell me i'm wrong my the thing i can't stand is board game gatekeepers 
Now, gatekeepers occur in lots of different areas and lots of different hobbies and fandoms. So I generally hate them all around. Like, and when I mean gatekeeper, it's the kind of person that if you go somewhere and let's say you're wearing a Led Zeppelin t-shirt and someone comes up to you and says, do you even know any songs by that band? Well, number one, I do. How dare you? And number two, even if I didn't, who are you to police what t-shirt I'm wearing? Get I'm going to start saying, I'm going to start saying, what? Led Zeppelin's a band? <laughs> it's just so, it's so annoying. And it happens a lot. It In a lot of places, it happens to women in like the nerdy fandoms. There are these like Star Wars gatekeepers are like, well, what's your favorite movie? Well, that movie sucks. I can't believe you liked that one. You don't even know the backstory for, you know, Qui-Gon. Who? <laughs> Who cares? Let me like what I like. And I feel the same way about board games. If somebody likes Monopoly, I mean, I question your taste, but you you go. You do you. You buy that boardwalk. You know, you pass go. Go for it. There are some people that are economically minded that that is a game for them. You like minis. You want to, like, just soup up your little mechs and fight each other. Uh, you know what? I think that sounds awful, but more power to you. You go do your thing. Um, if someone posts on a board game group and they're like, oh, you know, I really like Settlers of Catan or Munchkin. I get so ticked off when people jump all over them and say, oh, well, if you like Settlers, you know, sucks. You should move on to this game or um, Munchkin. That game's terrible. Like, why you waste your time with that? You need to get to real games. Get, step off, bro. Okay. Like, let people like what they like. You, it's not always a bro. Sometimes it's a sis. Whatever. I mean, bro is a general term. Bra. If I'm, if I'm <laughs> bro a, and bra. It, no, a bra. No, like if I'm like a surfer, bra is at like every... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Right, right, right. Whatever. Bro, sis, whatever. Back off. Like, you, there's no integrity hierarchy in the board gaming world that you need to preserve. Let it go. Because you... In, in the process of being a gatekeeper, you're turning away people from a hobby that we want to be inclusive, that we want to be welcoming. Um, and like, yeah, Jason and I joke around about like, oh, we hate minis games and combat games and space games. But honestly, like like Jason was talking about in his reviews, there might be something in, in any kind of game that, that somebody might enjoy. And, you know, I don't want to take that joy, that enjoyment away from somebody else. So as much as I joke around, like, I, I really do get irritated by people that feel like they need to be the gatekeeper and let people know that they're going down the wrong path of board gaming and that they, they need to find real taste. Get, get over yourself. That's my yeah. second one. <laughs> no, that that's a good one. I agree with that 100%. Whenever I see those posts, like, I don't have anything to say, but. I look at the comments sometimes. I'm like, dude, just scroll by. All you had to do is scroll by. You didn't have to make these comments. You just swipe on by, go on to the next thing, let this person have their game and live their happy life. Just move on. Or yeah, it, I, it hinders it hinders people from like gaining knowledge. Like I'm I'm guilty of it too. People will post like these pictures like, oh, this game's awesome. And I'm like, I have no freaking clue what that game is. And so usually like in the riveted, I feel like I can ask that and say, I don't, I have no clue what game this is, but it looks interesting. Can you tell me about it? Um, but there are some larger board game groups I would never ask that in. People are like, well, don't you know anything about games? No, I honestly don't. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't watch any videos. I don't listen to any podcasts, not even my own. So no, I don't. Tell me about yeah. it. There's definitely one board game group you you don't want to go in there. You'll start a revolution. 
There's a little bit of clue for you. Oh my gosh. Um, stop. All right. Uh, my last one. We're gonna we're gonna make a lot of people mad. I don't even care. <laughs> um, my last one is one that I just find annoying. It, I don't find it as annoying as the other two, but Kickstarter hype. Uh, I just get. I know we talk about Kickstarters on the this show, and I understand that we need to talk about Kickstarters. We we support some Kickstarters. We back some Kickstarters, but I just I hate when this new Kickstarter comes out. For example, X Men or Marvel United X Men, and it gets all over the board game groups. And it gets support in like um, five minutes. It's raised $5 billion. And everybody looks at me like I'm a moron because I didn't back this game because it's the greatest game ever. And then, you know, you see it on secondhand groups. They're selling the the $600 pledge for $1,200 because they're jerks. I just hate the Kickstarter hype. Just You can't even know if a game's good yet because it's not even out. You've seen some paid reviews that Katie talked about before saying that the game is amazing. You're going by the track record of the publisher that publisher can still put out a turd. You don't know that it's going to be good just because it has Simon's name on it. I mean, yes, they, they have a pretty good track record, but this game could suck and you don't even know because you're listening to the paid reviews. So I just hate the Kickstarter hype. I want it to stop. I want people to just be normal about Kickstarter, go buy games that they like, stop trying to make everybody feel terrible for not buying the games that they think is going to be the greatest game ever and just leave me alone. So my last one, Kickstarter hype. There's some serious shots fired there. Um, in some ways, I agree. I also, my issue with Kickstarter hype is that since something's on Kickstarter, it's like a big deal. So there are some publishers that have no business putting their games on Kickstarter. They can fund that themselves. Simon. Queen. It's basically. And Queen, yes. It's basically yes. a pre order system. Then just offer pre orders for the love. Like. Kickstarter is supposed to be for new projects, um, people taking a chance on projects, um, and it's kind of turned into a monster in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. It's awful. It's absolutely awful. And my last one is is part part of the issue with, I think, that's with Kickstarter. And my last biggest beef, gosh, we are going to have no listeners after this episode. Um, my last beef is Game FOMO. Okay, so FOMO is fear of missing out. It is huge and rampant in the board game community, and it's freaking ridiculous. Um, it's what drives Kickstarter campaigns. It's what, like, people want these Kickstarter exclusive stuff. So, like, well, I got to buy in my $120 pledge. That is nuts. Or I've seen more $300, $400 Kickstarter pledges because you can't get these items. You can't get this game. You can't get this um, stretch goal anywhere else. Why? Why are we doing that? Also, if a game came out last year or the year before, it's already old. It's done. It's over. The industry, um, the population has moved on. There's no reason why we should be dismissing older games when they're still fun to play. They're still good games. Like, I understand there are some turds, yes, that came out. We can move on from them. But there's a lot of good games that people overlook they get left in the dust because they they want to they, they don't want to miss out on the next new thing, the next awesome game, um, the next hype. You know, the game that Man vs. Meeple reviewed two years ago for some reason that nobody else has seen yet. Man, I love this episode so much. <laughs> I, I am like on my I like, <laughs> when we talk about Man vs. Meeple, I call them boring and and super boring. I cannot. This is why I don't watch videos because I'm like, come on, man. Somehow they get every new Kickstarter. They have a freaking studio to record in. If you think they're not getting paid for reviews, you're at your mind. 
And they have games that no one else can get for like a year. What in the world is happening there? Anyway, they don't listen to our podcast. They never will. It's fine. Yeah, right. They're going to now. I'm going to tag them in. Don't you dare. Don't tag anybody (laughs) in this episode. Because all I've done is just like rain (laughs) vitriol. Like, and, and honestly, like, I think that some of this is another reason for us to, as gamers, to check ourselves. Like, do I really need to buy another game when I have 20 Un- unplayed on my shelf i have a plenty of unplayed games on my shelf yes and i'm not saying don't get new games but um i think as we're looking at our priorities you know do we need more shelf space do we need another calyx should we maybe put the games out there into circulation for other people to enjoy as well should we you know rehab old games and find joy in that um start kind of in some ways, I see for us board gaming, playing board games as a ministry and reaching out to people and showing them even older games or games that we don't necessarily love that aren't the new hotness, but helping people, you know, find a way to connect with each other, to spend quality family time, to do something that is a slower pace, an older, maybe older fashioned way of thinking. And I think when we get caught up in this FOMO hype, like that's where people get crazy at cons. That's where people, you know, spend ridiculous amounts of money on Kickstarters. That's where good games get overlooked. And and we see publishers and designers go unrecognized for the good work that they've done. Um, You know, also like content creators, even we're moving on to like the new hotness, like, oh, who's got the newest games? Who's doing like the coolest reviews or whatever that no one else has thought of? Again, back to my gimmick reviews issue. Who who bloody cares? Like, why can't we just enjoy enjoy our games? And and if you don't have the new hotness, that's fine. You know, if you yeah. want a new game, sure, do it. But again, like the games are probably gonna be there if you wait a year or two. Yeah, to go along with this, this doesn't really go along with your FOMO, but some other content creator, I'll leave his name out of it, uh, he met, he got on my video about that gentle rain, and he's like, man, you gave this game this rating? This is a game as a three. It's obviously a turd. There's nothing in this box. I don't know how you could give it that rating. This is another guy doing videos. Just because he has a British accent, just because his meeple might be broken, doesn't mean that he can come in and tell me uh, that, you know, be a jerk about stuff. I, I don't know. I hate that, too. That's that's a bonus number four. I have no idea what you're talking about. See, I don't. This is also. I don't watch your videos, and and Jason has to tell me the comments because I, I apparently don't. I don't get them all the time either. So you know, good job, Katie. Um, yeah, I just. I I think for me, a lot of my unpopular opinions center around people being unwelcoming people being jerky about lots of different things in the board game community. And Jason's are all around paying too much money for games. (laughs) That's what this this episode boils down to. That's really my big beef is I I don't want to spend a bunch of money on games because it seems crazy, but yeah. So we have plenty of other unpopular opinions, but we've kind of talked about them in other episodes, Um, kind of the things that irritate us about games, like our game turnoffs. We've talked about like our game night irritations so you know we've got other unpopular opinions um but feel free to weigh in um i would love that's the other thing is i'm so willing to dialogue about stuff and talk about stuff um and change my mind I i would be happy to change my mind about some of these things um 
So what are the things that really bug you? What are your unpopular opinions about the board gaming industry in general um, or the way you see some trends in board gaming? Let us know. Um, comment on Facebook. Join our Facebook group, hashtag The Riveted. We've had some new members join. Love that. Love to hear from people. And we want all kinds of people, all kinds of gamers to feel welcome there. Um, our Instagram page, our Twitter uh, definitely post pictures of games. Talk about games that you've played. I I love to find out about new games from from our listeners. Um, again, we also have a YouTube channel. You know, like, subscribe, comment there. I've been trying to be in more videos to do it. It like I I mentioned to Melanie, one of our listeners. Um, I have so much more anxiety about videos but that has to do with my own like self-conscious issues. So I don't do them very often. And I'm thinking I, I should just, I should try to do more unless you don't want that. So then you could tell us that too. Say, no, Katie, don't do any more videos because you're obviously a mean spirited harpy as you have seen in this episode. <laughs> as long as you don't make them 60 seconds, I'm good. Oh my gosh. Stop. We cannot, I don't, again, I, she is a lovely person and I I'm think. I'm not even talking about her. I think just, her. You know, reviews are interesting but again i'm not basing buying off of 60 seconds but i i i would like to be friends we could be she's i mean be friends i i do more than 60 seconds review when i'm trying to buy a t-shirt on amazon so and that's like 12 dollars. so i just i don't get it again back to it's all about the economic <laughs> bottom line for jason in case you <laughs> ever true. wondered if Guys, you should feel bad for me. The reason why I talk about like speedy freezes and orange slices, that's as far as he'll go as far as luxuries. Like that's it. A dollar for a speedy, for, 79 cents for a speedy freeze when they're on sale and like a dollar for the orange slices. That's what yeah, we're looking at. You've been at. living it up, man. I've been spending like a dollar 29 on those things. Oh my gosh. I know. Outrageous. <laughs> I'm such a spoiled princess here, folks. Let me tell you. <laughs> you don't know how good you got it up in here. <laughs> You're right. I don't. I don't. Okay. Uh, I let you talk for more than 60 seconds, too. Imagine that. Stop. See, this is the other problem. It's like, I, I get on my like soapbox and I start talking about stuff. And Jason loves for people to, to think that I'm a terrible person. So he doesn't want to say anything himself to reveal his own terrible opinions. He just wants you all to hate me instead. So he just like pushes and eggs me on. So that y'all see, like, the, the the Mr. Hyde behind the Dr. Jekyll. I will neither confirm nor deny that. It's all true. <laughs> all right. I think that's enough. We've already... No one else is listening by now. They all hate us. You've all gone to our Facebook page to tell us how terrible we are. Um, that's fine. You are within your rights to do that. That's okay. As long as the publishers don't hear it and keep sending those games, we're good. <laughs> So I have been Mean Witch Katie. <laughs> and I'm Mean Witch Katie's husband, Jason. No, you're like S Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> <laughs> Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> Ebenezer Scrooge. That's who I am. That's exactly it. But keep gaming, everybody. <laughs> keep gaming.
Seriously, no one is going to like us anymore.